human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to The Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I am so happy that you're joining us today. I always tell you to do this, but in case you haven't heard it, go to the self-improvement blog, take a look at our guest picture, read his bio. You'll be really glad you did because you're going to want to know more when you finish hearing him and hearing about his books. Today, we're going to do something different. We're going to talk about a novel, a love story, in fact, and we've never done that on this show. I have to say, I have to confess, I procrastinated reading it because it's been such a long time since I've had a chance to read a juicy love story, and I really wasn't sure exactly what I was going to be able to do with with it for the show. Now, there are so many books about all phases of self-improvement on my desk that I need to read for upcoming shows that novels hadn't had a, haven't had a chance, but... What a surprise I got when I read this one. I'm here to tell you that there's more solid self-improvement material in this novel than many books that have self-improvement in the title have. And I'm not going to give away the story. No way. You need to buy the book to get the story. If our guest wants to share it with you, he can, but you're not going to get it from me. You need to get the book. I will tell you, it is definitely a love story. Love human to human, love of music, and love of radio broadcasting. It's beautifully written. It has great humor, and it might just possibly make you cry. I'm not ashamed to say I did. And if you want a page-turner... You want to get this book. Its author, David Berner, is an award-winning author, journalist, and broadcaster. His first book, Accidental Lessons, was awarded the 2011 Royal Dragonfly Grand Prize for Literature. David's book, Any Road Will Take You There, won the 2013 Book of the Year Award from the Chicago's Writer Association for Non-Traditional Nonfiction. He was named the Ernest Hemingway Writer in Residence for 2015-2016, and that is a huge award. Night Radio, A Love Story, is his first novel, and I hope he's working on another one. David works as a radio reporter and news anchor for CBS Radio and teaches writing and radio documentary at Columbia College, Chicago, David's been with us before, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome him back. David, welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. Well, Irene, those words are very, very nice. So humbling, too. I'm so happy you like the book. And, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a... Um it's kind of a, a hidden uh, self-improvement book in a way, isn't it? I, I, I've never had it ex- sort of explained that way, but I think you, you hit on something. So I appreciate well, I, that. I, I was surprised. I really didn't expect that. And I think the power in the book is by the time you get to some of the heavier 
self-improvement material, you so identified with your characters that you really go through it with them. And, and I was looking for what how they were going to get out of some of the things you got them in. And, yeah. and, and you got them out. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, and I, you know, there's nothing better that a writer can hear than if someone identifies with the characters. I mean, that is everything that you know a writer wants to do. This was my, you know, this was my first novel, and I, you know, in the early going of, of Night Radio, I had, um, I had some, you know, concerns. I had written nonfiction. I had been a reporter. I'd come from a lot of nonfiction background. I'd written memoirs, so it was, it was an interesting approach for me. Uh, but I have to say that, um, you know, there's a lot of things in this that are, I don't want to say that it's based on me because it's not, it is fiction. Oh, I was, that's one of my yeah. questions. <laughs> but there are, there are experiential, what I call experiential moments in there that are, um, have some truth to them. And, um, uh, and I wanted to include those. And this is a book that I really, I think more than all my other books that I really wanted to get out there. There were, I guess there was something that, you know, many fiction writers will say sometimes that the, the the real truth is in fiction writing, not necessarily in nonfiction. That you can you can delve into real truths a little deeper than you would if you were locked into a you know a truthful story, a story that has facts in it. Um, so, in a way, uh, I think maybe I was hoping to do that. Well, kind of I, I think light you on did a, a truth that I... may have been easier to tell. I found it especially interesting because I love broadcasting. No, okay, I'm not yeah. into music, but you know, doing this radio show made me understand a lot of the situations that I may not have understood had I not been doing this show. And some of the things he did, um, we've all messed up, you know. And oh, I sure. Had to, yeah. I had to laugh when, when I, you had him doing some of those things. And all of us are touched by music, and so you, you have... A double whammy, you have a triple whammy, you know, we all want to be in love, we all love music, and many are interested in the intricacies and back scenes of broadcasting, so you, know, you got my attention anyway. What motivated you to write the scenes this kind of stuff book? Because I think it helps to help you sort of understand the character uh, and, and what has influenced him over time, not only music, but, you know, his love of... Uh, of presenting uh, himself and the music over the airwaves. That was, you know, that was his way of the character, Jake Mulholland, the main character, the protagonist in the story. That's at first, and even through the whole book, that's where he's most comfortable is on the air. And that's where um, a lot of his, uh, the redemptive story comes from. It happens, you know, on the air. And it was interesting to watch him grow. Yeah, he does grow, doesn't he? <laughs> he 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 does grow, and, and um, and you can you can see it as it progresses. Sometimes you don't get it right away, but um, a very interesting progression. What motivated you to write this book, and why did you go? Well, into- I, I think you know, I think you hit on something that is very perceptive. Actually, you said that it's a. It's a love story, and that's the subtitle of the book, A Love Story, Night Radio, A Love Story. And it really is a love story of not only human love and romantic love, and but it's the love of family. It's the love of the work that we do every day. Uh, it's the love of music. 
And so there's a, it's a multi-sort-of-faceted love story. Um, and, you know, that part of it, you know, that really is a big part of me. I, I, I've been a musician all my life. I, many, many, many years ago, I played in a band. I've written songs. I've, you know, you know, not in a hardcore professional way, but I, I've been on the fringes. And, I, and I've had fun with it, and it's a way of expression. So I wanted to make sure that people understood that, you know, expressing yourself in whatever form works for you is, is, um, is motivational and redemptive and, uh, you know, revolutionary in a lot of ways. So whatever that is for you, and Jake has, you know, a way for him, uh, which is to play the music that he loves and to dig deeper into the artists and what they mean and their motivations. And that was a big part of me. So I wanted to get that story across um, I didn't know where it was going when I first started to write. In fact, I I tend to write like Joan Didion, uh, the 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 great nonfiction writer Joan Didion said once that she writes to find out what she's thinking. And I think that's kind of the way I approach this. I I kind of knew I won't give it away, but the the last few scenes I already had in my head. Um, I knew where it wanted to go. I knew where I wanted to where I wanted it to end. I didn't know how I was going to get there. <laughs> so I didn't I had know how you were going to get him end. through it. I honestly um, yeah. did not know how you were going to get him through that. I think yeah. I'm thinking, I don't. What's he going to do here? <laughs> what's yeah. going next? <laughs> I I loved that part because I, I at that point I couldn't pu- I couldn't put it down. I well, had I'm so happy to hear you say that. I've had so many people say you know, the book is in two parts. It's two major sections of his life, and. Um, I've had a lot of people say they've finished part one and gone, I don't know where this is going. And then they start to read part two, and they're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And then it starts to click for them. Um, and that's, you know, the part one is needed to make part two work. Right. Yeah. Now, why did you choose late night radio? I mean, why not morning drive time or afternoon talk <laughs> radio? Or, you know, why well, night radio? Well, there's something, mystical. there's something mystical about late night radio and, you know, uh, listening to radio in the dark and sitting, you know, people of our generation remember, you know, I remember sitting in line in bed at night listening to radio from all over the country on a little transistor. And there was something mystical and magical about that time of day. Plus, I also think inhibitions are pulled away at that time of day for a lot of us, for whatever reason. And I think that comes across in at least the radio of that time period with the, the book is set. Exactly, um, yeah. And not so much it happens so much today because we're, we're, we're much more of a on-demand kind of listening society now. But, but back then, you know, you, that time of day was special. Those, those night disc jockeys, those night radio announcers had a certain flair and a certain magic that was very, very different than the rest of the day. But it seemed and that they I had wanted, more freedom. I, I wanted Jake to, say- to be that guy. Oh, he was definitely that guy. Yeah. It's, it seems that they have a little more freedom. I remember a period in, it was, I think, in the 70s, uh, Art Bell. Sure. I to, and I, then I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. You know? I'm listening to Art Bell in the middle of the night, and I'm just wired by the time he got through with all his scary stuff. And yeah, we didn't find a, that here, but here certainly they had a freedom uh, of expression that you don't have in drive time. Oh, I think that's very true. Yeah, um, I, I, at least at least at that time there, there, there was freedom there. There was a chance to stretch yourself. Um, you 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 know, 
it didn't seem out of place to ask the big existential questions at midnight that you it didn't seem to right to be asking that question at seven o'clock in the morning. But at midnight, those big questions about the meaning of life and what am I doing here and all those kinds of things seem to make sense at midnight. So, um, you know, I think that that's what I wanted him to be able to ex- that character Jake Mulholland to to experience that and to be feel at home in that uh, because that was a big part of him. Um, so Night Radio allowed him to be himself. And that was the glory of it. It's time for us to take a break. Uh, we're going to be right back with more, and we're still not going to tell you the story, but you're <laughs> not going to miss it, so don't go away. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Tune in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is David Berner. We're talking about his novel, his first novel, I hope the first of many, Late Night Radio. Um, you, you say that music is the soundtrack of our lives, and, and, the, and music is a theme throughout the book. Why do you say it's the soundtrack of our lives? Talk a little bit about that. Well, I know for me, and I, and I know this from other people, but for me, you know, I hear a song, um, and it reminds me of a time and a place. Uh, I hear a new song that may have not connected me to a time or a place, but it rings, it, it, it sort of rings the bell of some emotion that I've had before, or reminds me of a place or a time, or reminds me of someone in my life right now that's important to me, or, uh, so it, it, it does sort of 
um, accentuate all those ups and downs and turns and twists that we go through in life. And uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't get somehow worked up about a piece of music uh, somewhere down the line, uh, whether they hear it in the car, in the shower, you know, um, at a live venue. Um, it is uh, an incredible, powerful force. And, um, you know, Jake Mahala and the story, uh, to him, it's, it's his lifeblood, and it means a lot to him. And uh, it helps him express himself. And I think that many times it does for us, too. I mean, why do we pick a wedding song to play at the wedding? Because it's a song that fits the moment, and you know we don't necessarily we don't pick a um, you know something other than music, do we? I mean, music is what expresses something for us. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, I hear music now that takes me back to you know my early twenties um, when when I was just really beginning to choose you know my own style of things and i hear certain songs and and i go right back there and it's really lovely most of the time sometimes you hear songs that take you to the wrong place but most of the time you know you, you you generally can remember where you were or what part of your life you were in when that music was significant to you, whether it was a positive or a negative kind of thing, you still can re- relive those feelings oh, when absolutely. you hear it. And, yeah. and I thought that was powerful in the book. Tell me this. You just received a Hemingway writer in residence. Now, tell us what that is, what, what the significance of it is. I know it's big. Uh, <laughs> and how do you get to be one? Well, um, first of all, let me tell you what it is. Uh, the Hemingway birthplace is in Oak Park, Illinois. His birth home and his childhood home are both in Oak Park, Illinois, which is just west of Chicago. Um, and uh, he grew up there. Um, he didn't spend a lot of time there, but he grew up there as a child and a teenager before he went off to World War One as an ambulance driver. So it's his. It's in his parents lived there. His siblings lived there, and he. Um, took a job as a radio reporter in Kansas City, not a radio reporter, but a reporter in Kansas City, um, and went off to war after that. But he was uh, very connected to Oak Park. So there's a home here, and it's a historical land site, landmark. Um, it's run by the uh, Ernest Hemingway uh, Foundation of Oak Park. And every year they select a writer, could be anywhere from all over the country or even internationally, they select select somebody who has applied to be the writer in residence. And what you do is you get a chance to write in that home. You get to spend, you kind of have a little writing office in there. Um, And you help edit a new publication that just started called Hemingway Shorts, which is a... uh, a competition in a way. I hate to use that word, but that's what it is. People submit work uh, that is of uh, 1,500 words or less, basically, and you edit, get to edit that annual thing. And you hold workshops, too. Um, but it's an honor to be chosen. I mean, you, you apply, uh, and you're chosen, and you have that space. Uh, I'm, I was chosen last year, um, and it was supposed to run out in July, and instead of holding another competition, they asked me to stay one more year. Um, well, that's big. <laughs> yeah, and I was very, I, I'm, I'm humbled by it. I mean, um, you know, there are a lot of people who have applied for it, um, people of all, you know, kinds of backgrounds uh, who are uh, writers or journalists or um, have an affinity for being an author or are an author, and 
So I, I don't know who else has applied, and I don't want to give the impression that I, you know, beat out Stephen King or something. That's not it. But, um, but to be chosen and to be uh, to work with the foundation and to help them um, promote the idea of, of writing and self-expression and and uh, to also, you know. Um, further along the legacy of Ernest Hemingway. I mean, Ernest Hemingway is still taught in the high schools, but, you know, he seems like a guy from a long time ago for a lot of people who are young. So we want to help them understand how influential he was and still is uh, to uh, a whole array of uh, of art forms. Um, you know, he was a journalist when he started, uh, and much of his writing style came from journalism. So there's a there's a strong background there. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's a great old house. It's a beautiful place. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, my, my little space is in the attic. I don't get there too much in the summer. It gets a little warmer. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's pretty cool. It's, I have to admit, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm awed by it. So it's, a lot of, it's, it's, it's an honor. Well, I'm honored to have a Hemingway writer in residence on the self improvement show. I mean, oh, I, I think, think that's I think that's lovely. I loved Hemingway. I think I read every word he ever wrote. Um, <laughs> what a genius yeah. he was! In I'm terms a big of fan of some of his short stories. Um, there's one uh, from the first publication of short stories he wrote called "Cat in the Rain," which I think is just absolutely genius. Um, and I'm I I I, I admire. His uh, his approach was, you know, what he used to call the iceberg method, which was um, just to give a little bit of the story, that little part of the iceberg that sticks up above the water, and the rest of it is sort of not told, but allows the listener to kind of figure it out. And I think that's a very, I mean, we still see that style of writing. Nobody had written like that before until uh, until him, and now people use that sort of approach for a lot of things. For a lot movies. of things. Now, anybody that can make a story a story as spellbinding as he did, The Old Man in the Sea, oh, is sure. really great. I mean, how can you pull that off for a whole book? Yeah, uh, it, it amazed me then. It still amazes me. And, you know, um, the longing of my heart is to be able to write like that. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. don't think it's going to yeah. happen in this lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm pleased to be I'm pleased to be part of that. Um, you know, it has allowed me some space and time to work, and uh, and uh, it's not too far from where I live, so that works out very nicely. So you get to do your own writing there as well as help other writers. Yes, exactly. Right. Well, and, and did, did some of the did some of your novel uh, get written there, or was I'm it not. already finished by the time you did this? Uh, well, some of Night Radio's editing was done there. Um, some final edits. Uh, the book itself was pretty close. Uh, I did work on a memoir that's coming out next year there. Um, that's, um, it's called October Song. And it is, uh, I worked on some of that uh, there also, some of the finishing touches. And then uh, it's, it's still in the process of being, um, I mean, it's basically edited, but there might be some other things to do from there, from the publisher. But that comes out next, I think it's going to be April. Last I heard it was April, but it'll be spring next year. How many books will that make for you then? Uh, I think that's five. Yeah. <laughs> I know someone said to me, uh, not too long ago, I was at a conference or 
somewhere, maybe something on campus. And someone said to me, you're, you're like a sieve right now. I said, I don't know why it's all happening right now, but it just seems like I needed to get my, you know, 50 years in before I could, uh, you know, spout out these stories. I, I don't. I don't know why it's all happening now, but it's all happening now. So well, don't don't stop. Just please okay. don't stop. I'll try. <laughs> now, one of the things that I found really compelling in your book was how what happens to us in our early youth and teen years, as we're you know in college, you know wh- how all that impacts us and how it culminates in the way we make decisions and react to things. Um, talk a little bit about how you built that in. Did you do that on purpose, or did that just evolve as you wrote? Well, I think I, I think there was a, a, a rough purpose to that. I didn't know exactly how it was going to manifest, but I, I do think that there was a purpose of that in the story. And, I, you know, I'll try not to give the story away. But basically, you know, Jake is... Uh, He's not unlike a lot of other, you know, male teenagers in the 70s, uh, male college students in the 70s, where he's not really sure, you know, what love means. He's not really sure what, you know, lust means. He's not really sure, um, you know, where his place is in the world, although he does know that music is important to him, and he does know that being on the radio and talking about that music is, is his, his, one of his only places where he can truly be himself. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, I still think that people, even of this generation, young people, because I teach young people all the time of this age, the age that Jake Mulholland is in the story, you know, they're trying to find their place. But there is that one thing that they do where they can, where allows them to cope in some way. It could be music. It could be video games. It could be whatever it may be. There's something that they do or that they, um, that, that they love that helps them get through the day. And uh, in a lot of ways, that's what was for Jake. But yet, in the meantime, while that's while it's getting him through the day, they're still trying to figure out what all this other stuff means. And I think Jake is very much like that in his in his in his journey. Um, and he has to he has to take a big fall to be able to come back and say, "Oh, that's what that meant," or yeah. "That's what that did to me," and here's how I'm going to deal with it. Um, he has to go down the slippery slope before he can get back up. Uh, and that's not unlike a lot of us. You know, we have to go far down some wrong road to figure out, oh, we made a wrong turn. I need to go back and make the other turn. Um, and I think that that's what happens to Jake. So to answer your question, I hope I'm answering your question. I think that he, you know, purposely I did try to set that up, that this is a this is not an unusual person. This is a person that... Um, has trouble, you know, expressing himself completely because he really doesn't know what he feels yet. Um, and it takes a lot of tripping up to begin to understand what all those things mean to him. And then it takes some courage to do what he does uh, near the end of the book where he confronts all of these things. Oh, my. Talk about courage. Um, I I was a little upset with you <laughs> for having him go through that. And on that note, we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest David Berner say, saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with more about late night radio. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the Self Improvement Blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is David Berner. He's the author of the novel Late Night Radio, A Love Story. And I really recommend that as soon as this show is over, you get yourself right on the web and order for wherever you order books, uh, Late Night Radio. It's a page turner. It's good. It has lots of good self-improvement stuff in it. And it is a good, good read one of the themes in there is about dreams that get derailed. Yeah, certainly the your main character, your protagonist did, but there's other dreams that got derailed. How do we keep our dreams alive? How do we get to do them? Wow. Uh, I, wish I, I wish I had that answer. Um, I wish you know, I, I think that we just have to, and again, I, I don't proclaim myself as some self-improvement expert. I don't proclaim myself as a person who has all the answers. But I, I do think that, you know, for, I can talk about what I have done. Uh, you know, I've, I've always come back to something that I felt was important to me, um, something I've wanted to do, something I've wanted to experience, um, something I've wanted to accomplish. I've always, I always seem to come back to it. I may get off track or be focused on something else for a while and, and then come back, but I always sort of come back and then reevaluate. Um, and, you know, for, for Jake in the story in, in Night Radio, I think that he, I think that he does that. He, he returns to things where he knows he didn't have a chance to fix or didn't have a chance to address correctly, and he returns to that. So, in a way, it was Jake's dream to make all this right, you know? So, um, just returning to that place and reassessing it and going, okay, where am I with this? And then moving forward, taking it, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, you know, kind of thing. And I think that's okay. You know, um, and don't always expect the dream to be realized in the exact way that you think it would be. 
sometimes the dream realizes itself slightly differently, but you still fulfill it. And that um, brings and me to the next quote. I think in a way that's quote. what happened with Jake. Yeah, the next quote I, I brought forth is a little raw, but we're going to say it anyway, because I think it's really important in understanding this in terms of the book and in our terms of our own growth, uh, our own self-improvement. So I, I'm going to quote, you say, but we're all capable of fucking up. All of us are just a few wrong turns away from tumbling into a cavernous and ugly trench from which we will forever struggle to crawl our way out. Talk a little bit about that. And well, we all, I mean, we're human, you know, uh, and I think that's it. I mean, you, you almost have to expect that you're going to screw up somewhere. Um, you know, I, you know, I even look back at, you know, my life as a parent, you know, my two boys. I mean, I, I'm certain there were times, I mean, sometimes my, my 20-year-old sons remind me, you know, Dad, remember when you did that? That was kind of dumb, you know. Um, you know, I, I know that I, I know that that's happened. I know I've not done everything perfectly, but you can't expect to. Um, not to say that you don't want to try to do everything as well as you can, but uh, whatever that means for you. But, um, you know, we're all going to mess up. And, um, you know, think about think about all of our lives. I mean, you know, if we've had, you know, alcoholism in our in our family, I mean, we're only a DNA you know, a chromosome away from, you know, becoming an alcoholic. I mean, we, 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 we all have those kinds of things in our lives. And, um, you know, sort of walking down that tightrope or walking on that balance beam to, for whatever that means for us, is, is you know, a daily, uh, I don't want to say struggle, but it's a, daily, um, it's a daily reminder that, you know, we're at any moment now, things could go off the rails. Um, I mean, you lose your job. You have someone who is very important to you die young. You have, you know, whatever it may be. Stuff can knock us off the rails. And we're just, we're just you know, minuscule moments away from things like that that can turn our life down a completely different pattern. Even taking a job somewhere, you know, like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about, you know, I had many years ago in my 30s, I had interviews in New York City for radio jobs. Well, if I'd have taken one of those jobs, what would my life be like now? Probably very, very different. Um, so that, that little moment of, of that decision has taken me somewhere else or put me on a different balance beam, you know? I do know. <laughs> I do know. You go on to say, and this is a quote, this is what life is, continual groping. Sometimes I wonder if we all concentrate too hard on the vision, what we want to be, what we hope to be, what's next, that we forget that the groping, that crawling around trying to find it, the it Jack Kerouac Sal Paradise searched for, is the one beautiful and true thing. Talk about that one. Wow. Did I write that? <laughs> you did. You did. I read it. I got it word for word. Okay. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think what I'm trying to say there, and I, and I would want the reader to interpret it the best way they can. But for me, what I was trying to say there was that there's more than just the next step. You know, I mean, so many times I think I think as parents we make a mistake sometimes when we tell. And again, I'm not a parenting expert, but I think sometimes we make mistakes when we keep telling our children, "Well, what do you want to be?" Well, what, what's your major? 
well, are you are you going to take that? Are you going to take that job? Are you going to you're going to take that job, right? You're going to do that right now, aren't you? Because that's going to lead to this. And if you you better do this because that's the only way you're going to get this next job. You know, sometimes we forget that 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 thing that it is right now. It's not a year from now. It's not two years from now. It's not what we want to be three years from now. It's what we are right now. And yes, we have to think about the future. We have to prepare ourselves for whatever our dreams may be. I get all that. But we have to live in the moment. Um, it's, it, that's a very easy thing to say and a hard thing to do. But it, we really do have to try to live in that moment as much as we possibly can because that's all we have. That really is all we have. And, and it, um, yeah. Yeah, totally and, and if, if we, believe me, I'm not able to do this all the time. It's hard. But when you do, there's a, there's a light that goes off when you really think that you're doing that right now. That, to me, that's the it. You know, in Jack Kerouac's On the Road book, that's what they talk about. They talk about it, that sort of special moment, that, that enthusiastic, uplifting, world-changing moment that you experience but you can only experience that in the moment, and you can't you can't think about what had happened two days ago or a year from now. It's what you're feeling right now, and um, I think we forget that a lot. Well, I th- um, I think we so. get so caught up in it that we we totally forget that we need to be present now. There's so many. Yeah, other I, I wrote a I wrote a piece many years ago. I think it was a radio piece, if I'm not mistaken. But it was a, a piece about um, when video cameras became a big deal. Um, uh, the handheld video cameras. Uh, it was in the 80s, probably 90s. Um, and parents were buying them, you know, off the shelves because they wanted to videotape everything their children were doing. And I wrote a piece about how don't forget that you're missing the moment by capturing it. You're, mm. you're, you're taking yourself out of the moment and you're becoming an observer, not a participant. And, you know, I was guilty of it, you know. Um, I don't know how many VHS tapes or, you know, Super oh. 8 tapes I have yeah. of my children. But, it, but you forget that the moment, you want to experience that moment. You want to be in it. Um, you don't always want to just observe it. And I think we, there was a time where we were doing, spending a lot of time just observing. No, I, as I look back on some things and go through pictures and all of that, I realize that I was always taking the picture. I was never in any of them. And I'm thinking, I, I really missed out on that. You know, I, I missed it. And I think I that the happens joy a lot today a with the social media. You know, we're, we're capturing things all the time rather than, rather than totally immersing ourselves in them. Oh, I think so. that's so powerful to, to you know to realize, and that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah, another statement, and this I think is just so powerful. Life shouldn't be about playing it safe, no matter how much time we have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, it makes me think about that. Reminded me. I think even when I wrote it, I was thinking this. Um, I was my 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 older son. I have two sons. My my uh, older son was a very sort of still is to some extent, but he's less. He he goes through life less safely as he 
did when he was younger. But he was very analytical. He was like the guy who stepped in line, the guy who, you know, wanted to please everybody, the guy who wanted to do everything right, the straight-A student, you know, that, that sort, of, sort of kid. And um, I remember his mother and I once saying to him, you need to go play in traffic. <laughs> and he looked at us like we were out of our minds. And I said, no, no, you need to go get in trouble. You need to go do something that's maybe not exactly right. Now, do we want you to go jump off a roof of a building just for the heck of it? No, of course not. You don't want you to hurt yourself or to put yourself in danger. But, you know, you need to go break a rule, you know. And um, now <laughs> he is, I don't want to say he's a rule breaker. He's still very analytical and very, you know, methodical and all those things. But he is a hiker and a adventurist who, you know, goes on the precipice in the Grand Canyon and walks on the edge all the time. And he was never like that when he was younger. So he, you know, I can see that changing in him. Now, I'm not saying, you know, because I told him to go play in traffic that he's now a different person. I'm not, not equating those exactly. But, um, you know, I'm not saying one is a cause and effect. But, um, you know, I do think that, you know, playing it safe is no fun. It's, no, it's not interesting. It, it just isn't. Um, it's it's not adventurous. It's not what, the, you know, you're supposed to challenge yourself. Uh, there was a, I don't know if I have this factually correct, but I do know that uh, Robert Kennedy used to have, from what I understand, he used to have a piece of paper that he kept in his wallet. And on the piece of paper, it said, do the things you're afraid to do. And that's all it said. And he would remind himself, do the things you're afraid to do. And it always Basically, what it said was, what it was saying was, challenge yourself, push yourself, go to the edge, walk along that precipice in the Grand Canyon, you know, push yourself a little bit, make yourself try and do and experience things that you may not have expected yourself to do, and and I think that's what I'm trying to say with that line is, and I think you know, in in Jake, you know, he, he stumbles, but he finds that that's important in the story and in night radio. I think he finds that that's um, an important factor in his life and a, and a thing that moves him forward. So, I, I want to go to break on this one and let our listeners think about it as we go to commercials. I, this is Jake's thinking. One never really transforms, he thought. Instead, adjustments are made, maneuvers and repositions. And sometimes you just get good at hiding who you really are ducking behind false hopes and playing roles demanded to be played by bosses, families, and lovers. On that note, we're going to go to break. Stay tuned. We're going to go come back with even more. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one, be it a friend or family member. 
There are all kinds of questions and emotional pain that we go through, but you can move on. Listen for From Morning to Morning with Rabbi Mel Glazer. It doesn't matter what faith you are, or if you even have no faith, you are sure to find meaning in Rabbi Mel's words and personal experience, as well as that of his guests. From Morning to Morning airs live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self improvement show. My guest today is David Berner. If you want to know more about him, go to the self improvement show. All his links are there. Uh, you can find his book on Amazon, definitely, and probably all of the major bookstores. I recommend, I really recommend that you get this book night radio a love story and it is a good one one of the things and i think this so describes where many people are um, in terms of resolutions and desire and transformation and self-improvement you know he jake says all those popular resolutions, the ones, or he thinks this, all the ones that may, we make at midnight with a glass of cheap champagne are about changing into what you believe will somehow make you a better person. But what if a resolution was instead about accepting an old self so that the new self can emerge? A way to look the past in the eye, to wrap your arms around it. It all came to him so fast so purely, maybe the way to honestly go forward was to look back, if only for a moment, if only for one night. I I thought that was just a powerful instruction of how we can look back, see that it's okay, and and move on. Yeah, I think we have to forgive ourselves. A lot of people don't, or they say they do. Uh, And it's tough. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. Um, but if we, you know, we're all going to make mistakes, and if we can learn to forgive and look back and say, okay, um, you know, I probably should have done that differently or handled that better or whatever. I mean, it could be a small thing, a big thing. Um, and then we can move forward and say, okay, now what's next? But if we dwell on the issues, if we dwell on uh, what was happened before or mistakes we made or things we think are mistakes, um, then it's really hard to move forward. So so that was that moment for Jake where he said, you know, I have to say it's okay what I did in the past. I have yeah. to say, you know, it's it's made me a richer person. Uh, and it's made me, uh, it, I had to have those things happen so I could get to where I wanted to be. And later on he says, we're all looking for peace. Yeah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's the ultimate thing. Yeah. Peace, love. Happiness, they're all kind of tied together there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Big. And then we have music can say anything and everything. Talk about that. Yeah, well, we can, it can. Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, more than any other art form, I think music wells up an emotion for us. And if you dig deep into emotion, there's your answer to something. Um, you know, either something unresolved that you need to take care of or something um, that, that you need to address or, or something that you personally want to change. I, I think that, you know, there's a reason why we well up. You know, it's like, well, you know, you know how many times you've been with a friend and you've heard a piece of music or maybe seen a movie or something and you start to cry and they say, well, why are you crying? Well, you probably know if you can get a little deeper, like what it is. It reminded you of something or reminded you of a thing you did or a mistake you made or some redemptive thing that you did. You know, it's all, it's, it's, so that's why I think music can mean so much. It can almost get, help us get in touch with what we're feeling. I, I really truly believe that. Yeah, to me, music is the language of the soul. It, it reaches yeah. me sometimes when nothing else can. Yes. Uh, and, and teaches me things that nothing else could teach me. I agree with you. And I can't explain that, but, you no, know. No, I know what you mean. We'll just leave it there. And then we we get to this, and this moved me. Love was no longer something Jake kept in a locked drawer, only to open and pull out when it was convenient. What a powerful statement. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I think that what that comes down to is that, you know, I think sometimes we see love as like a thing. You know, it's like this thing I own or this possession I have rather than it's an expression. So, you know, um, you know, you're with your family and your wife and your two kids. Well, these are my, these are my people. These are my, this is my family and these, this is my love. When it's the day-to-day things that we do or say or actions we take, it's the it's the sort of the living of the love rather than just the the, um, the, the, the using it as some sort of possession or moment in time. It's actual living it, and and I think that that's what I was trying to say with a in the simplest way is that he didn't see it as some locket in a drawer. He's now he was starting to see it as oh this is a way of life. This is what I'm supposed to be, you know, living every day. Um, not just keeping to the side and pulling it out when I needed it or when someone else needed me to show love. You know, I'm supposed to be living this every day. Yeah, I think love is one of the hardest things to explain, you know, because it's so individual. But do you, do you think that most of us at some point, especially after you may have been hurt um, maybe several times, keep it locked in a drawer? You're only going to draw draw. Uh, Drag it out when it's safe. Oh sure. Oh my goodness, yes. I think that um, you know many of us are you know feel very very vulnerable to show love because of something that may have happened to us in the past, either romantically or family or you know anything. Friends. Uh, it could be anything. It could be any kind of love. But we get we don't want to feel those really bad feelings again, so we hide it and we don't like being vulnerable. 
the reality is the more vulnerable you are, the more love you're going to feel. I truly believe that. The more open you can be, the more you're going to feel the real, true, deep, rich feelings of, of that emotion. Uh, but it's tough to get there for a lot of people. It's tough to be vulnerable. And the That's hard. Thing that I think, you know, and I hadn't thought about it until now, one of the things we talk about a lot in self-improvement circles is how you can't really love anybody else until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And don't you think, uh, you know, and this, I don't think this is revealing too much, don't you think Jake came to some of that at the end? He really began to understand who he was and what he'd done and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think that Jake was forgiving of himself, uh, accepted what his past had been and things he had done, and it said, okay, I'm going to take this with me, and it's going to be the baggage that I carry, but I'm going to carry it proudly and move on. Um, And I do think that. I mean, uh, you know, the one of the things I tried to do in this book is not to tie up every loose end, not to make it a nice, neat bow at the end, because that's not how life works. And you didn't, um, and I, I was a little upset <laughs> that everything wasn't resolved. <laughs> and we are right up to the end of the show. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Well, um, I'd like them to, to certainly to read Night Radio, a love story, not only for a, maybe a good read or a, uh, you know, a late summer, early fall read, but to also to, to see that it, you know, it really is kind of a, a snapshot of, of, of our lives and um, that it's not attempting in any way to, you know, help people self-improve, but it is a way to go, oh, wow, I've been there. And if you can find yourself in that group of people that all believes, oh, we've all been there, we've all experienced it, that will help. I think it will help you. I think it will help you in a way. But I, I really want people to read it and to feel something from this book, to come away with something that means something to them. And uh, I mean, I couldn't. A writer couldn't ask for any any more than that. No. And when you get to the last chapter, please bring Kleenex. Um, <laughs> on that note, David, thank you for being with us. It's always such a pleasure, such you know, great dialogue to have you on the show. Well, it was wonderful. You 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 delved into some great things and very interesting, insightful questions, and I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. We might have to do it again with your next book. I hope so. (laughs) This is Irene Conlon and David Berner saying thank you so much for being with us today. Come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.